0: I mean, stories are 22 times more memorable than facts or data. I mean, even Hmm. HeadX talks are about 65% stories because data just is data. It goes dead. We we really, our brains actually change.
1: Today's show is sponsored by winthehourwintheday.com. We help you stop working so hard with our three-part formula, team execution and scale. Hey entrepreneurs, are you going full speed just trying to keep up? Do you feel you have more losses than wins? For years, I was rushing to get to the next thing. There was always something that I had to learn before the thing I actually needed to learn. I felt like I was running in the wrong direction and moving even further away from my goals. So the big question is, how do you stop the craziness how do you get to your next win well this podcast will give you the answer join me on my journey as we have real conversations about struggles successes and tips so we can get you quicker faster results no fluff and get you to your next win now hey guys join me in my new community on facebook I have just created a new group and I am so eager to connect with you guys. Reach out, join, check out the link in the show notes and just hop on over there because I'm going to be pulling back the curtain like I have never done before and really showing you how to get ideas to execution. So join the community. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Win the Hour, Win the Day, and I am your host, Chris Ward, and today we have Tina Bakehouse in the house. Okay, I often say that, but now it rhymes. I should have thought that out. All right, Tina is going to join us, and she is going to talk to us about Oh, so many things, you know, are how to share your story in a memorable way as a speaker and how to sort of get out of your own way when you're doing that. So I'm really eager to dive into this. Tina, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, Tina. So first of all, when you talk about sharing your story, I, I got two responses initially. One is, okay, I'm just going to show you all that. I'm a very flawed human being. Um, Sometimes that gets oversharing. Sharon, that's
0: overshared. <laughs> Who's sharing? Sharon as in the
1: person. <laughs> yeah, that's sometimes that gets overshared. And so I feel like I have been at speaking events where you know, one speaker tries to ump the next as far as here's an even more traumatic, traumatizing story. And then by the end of it, you're just totally desensitized, like, oh, okay, your village was burnt down and all these horrible things happened. But the next guy did that in a wheelchair and then he came out that he was gay. So, so then it just becomes this sort of, I don't know, race to the bottom as far as trying to tug on your emotions. So there's that one. And then I will tell you too, for me, It took me a really long time, and people had a really strong army to share my story. Where, when the hour, when the day was born from my really being away from when my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer and eventually passed away, and for me, it wasn't that it was sad. I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want it to define me. I didn't want it to define him because he was so much more than that. And I then was had PSTD from seeing these other speakers. I didn't want it to be this thing, you know, so I had to learn how to, and I guess it's what you're gonna to talk to us about. I had to learn how to do it in my Chris way. So you could see that I'm sharing the experience, but I'm not looking for sympathy because it's just not a good fit for me and how I see my life. So those are the two roads I get lost in. So tell me, where do we start?
0: Well, first of all, we start, Chris, with a lot of people fail to note that they are, we're all born as natural orators of our lives. We are all storytellers. I even was guilty of this when I was, starting my business of really labeling myself as a storyteller because it has this heavy weight to it of being a performer of mm-hmm. thinking okay i'm not getting paid to do this people are thinking in their minds so why would i label myself as a storyteller i think back when my son was 4 years old and you know he loves a great pun a great joke a great story and when he was really playing with language he was saying stories In a really disorganized way, he would say the punchline early and just start laughing. And, and one of my friends looked at him and said, you know, Anderson, that's not your best show. Well, he took that to heart and thought, how can I get better. And so the first piece is we need to label ourselves as storytellers. The second is that there is a true structure to it and learning how to do it. And so my son actually, at age four, asked for a joke book and started reading them and practicing them and understanding he had this aha moment that, oh my goodness, When he got that first authentic laugh, he acknowledged that he had to build and the punchline had to come last. It shouldn't come at the beginning, even though it was super cool. So it's the first is understanding we are storytellers. Get over, get out of your head about it. Label yourself as such and saying, hey, I am, I am a person who can tell a story. I have something worthy to say. And getting lost in a parking lot, though that may seem like a trivial experience, it can make for a really great story because what did you learn? How did you get? a a moment Mm -hmm. or life lesson or transform. It doesn't have to be, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and I nearly died. (laughs) And you know, all of that, that's a great story. Don't get me wrong, but we we have lots of of experiences and stories, and then it's understanding the structure and that just takes practice.
1: Okay. So you brought up a couple of really good points. First of all, I find it highly annoying when people talk about how smart four and five, six years old (laughs) your <laughs> old are and that they're all smarter than me. So, all right. And I think, oh, what if I had started there? Okay. So we'll push that aside. Um, and I think what you're saying too is, I mean, I I come from, my mom came from a very large family. So there was this innate thing that if you want to be heard, you, you had to be quick. You had to get to the point. You talk fast, you talk loud. So this might shock you how this happened to me. Um, <laughs> and you, it better be funny because you know what I mean, like get to the point. So I felt that I was okay at telling stories to make my point. People often tell me that I do really good with analogies when I'm teaching and stuff. But then telling my own story was like that was to me. It's like no, no. I got these other examples, so that was you're right. I had to get them out of my own way for that one. So I think what you're also saying it's the power of the structure it, because that is a big thing that everyone thinks. Oh, then I do need to have climbed that crazy mountain, you know, and be somebody who is missing limbs to do it. And because then it, you just think, well, my story doesn't compete with that. But it is the journey. It is the insight. It is the lessons you tie to that story.
0: Absolutely. I I, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to meet Alan Alda, and he did this really great experience where he had a a woman walk across the stage with a glass of water that was half full and then walk back. And we thought, well, that's pretty mundane. But if Alan Alda tells you to do it, you do it. And then he filled it up to the very big rim of the glass and he looked at her very seriously and said, I want you to walk across the stage without spilling a drop or your whole village will die. Well, she took this task very seriously. And in her first step, the whole audience of like 500 people were gasping, like, is she going to get this? And then we started rooting for her. And when she placed that glass on that end table, you know, we all cheered and erupted with excitement and elation. And that's when Alan Alda said, and that's the power of a story. It has high stakes. It's a shared experience that connects people. And so oh. that's what we have to think about is even the, the moment where it's an it can be an internal conflict, it can be a, a, a an external conflict, but I think if we get out of our own way and have those moments where we we go, what how was I transformed by this, this experience? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. people want to hear. How you the struggle, and that's what makes stories so human. They have that stay power. They're memorable. I mean, stories are twenty-two times more memorable than facts or data. I mean, even mm. TEDx talks are about sixty-five percent stories because data just is data. It goes dead. We we really our brains actually change. When we hear a story, we, they've done research where the actual brain waves are you know, started they, they show more activity. When we empathize, we feel that, that emotion of that storyteller where we go to that space with those sensory details. Here I'm on a farm. If I said, hey, it's a sweet sour manure that's waving through the, land, the through, through my farm, that smell that is one of the strongest senses to, to reach out to people, you go to that space and you feel that.
1: Yeah, that's really powerful. There's a couple of things I want to unpack there. So one is when we talk about the story, you know, I I know like, I I don't know if you see my videos. Lots of times I'll do videos where I'll give an example and use a prop and there there is a story to it. Mind you, thank you. I'm limited by the minute on Instagram or whatever. So do you distinguish between if I'm like giving a story of I, like today, I did one with jelly beans and I showed a jar of red jelly beans. and I said, OK, look, I want you to imagine that this is all the important work that you have that you really want to get to. That's going to move your business forward. And then I show a second jar and the red jelly beans are buried in amongst all these other colors. And I say, but here's where that important work is for most entrepreneurs. It's buried in the week in the web of admin. So is that a story like I, I shorten it, obviously, for your sake and to speed this conversation along. But is the story have to have your what makes it a story? Is it my personal experience or how you create emotion or is
0: that a, an analogy or where do we where does the story begin and end? Great question. I would say that's more of an analogy or, okay, or, you know, there's even a difference between anecdote and story. So story really requires different elements. You have to have characters. And so you can tell mm. your story. You're what you're that main character in that story. You can tell someone else's story, like a testimonial of a client that can be a story, but you absolutely need at least two characters make it more powerful because we, we like that extrinsic mm. you know, conflict and conversation and dialogue. We want to hear your voice as well as another character's voice. So if you're with your mom, we want to hear what mom said to you and actually give her that dialogue. Right. The story also requires a setting. So what you just shared, that's more of an analogy of giving us a, a, a visual image or picture of this to that. You know, it's a right. okay. comparison. So we, we want setting, we want place, we want conflict, internal and/or external. And then that the biggest piece with what makes it a story. And most powerful, if you've ever heard of any of the moth stories, that's a beautiful podcast where it's that transformation. You start out as one person and you come out as somebody else. So your powerful story of losing your husband, you know, there, that's a lot. Like you probably have different branches of stories that you can share from that. Story yeah. number one is the significance of, you know, just a loss of a life partner and how that changed you as a woman and changed you. Maybe it defined love in a different way for you. The other story is how when the hour, when the day actually came into fruition and it transforms you as an entrepreneur doing your own work and how you realize that you only had this moment in time and that time is precious. So you really have a lot of branches of stories that you can share. And to me, anecdote is a touch. It's not as in-depth. Story is a lot longer, thicker, deeper, and richer in, in terms of feelings and details.
1: That makes it, yeah. It kind of reminds me of, you know, when I heard that all movies- almost all movies are about stranger comes to town or leaves town. So you've got, you're right. You've got different characters. You've got an experience, you've got a conflict, you know, and there's a transformation, right? So also to one of the things that is I, I will blame my mother whenever you can. So as I talk to you about mm-hmm. my mother and her large family, <laughs> when in doubt, blame your mother. Um, and give her an awesome you,
0: voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. When in doubt, blame your mother. Um, So one of the things is speeding along, I've had to learn how to slow down to tell the story and to give the details because I skim over the details to get to the point of this sense of, you know, who's who's going to hang on listening to you that long. But I do know great storytellers, of course, absolutely, including yourself, even in this very conversation, when you tell a story, you know, you give all these, you know, extra details that give it breath and life and feeling, you know, like a good like a good movie with texture right? So I think a lot of us miss that. And then we're missing the opportunity or the
0: emotion or the transformation. Right. It's, it's like my, Mrs. Brown, English teacher, show, don't tell, you know, with your, with your writing. We want to create word pictures. We, we tend to, when we tell stories, make the mistake of thinking that people know what we're doing, where we are, and what it looks like. And we make those assumptions. And you don't want to assume. We know what happens if you assume. So if you want to really focus in on all five sensory details, and of the five, the smell is the most powerful to bring out and enhance your story because it's the easiest to take us there. So, if you're walking through Italy and and you've lost your way, you know the wafts of, of of strong red, zesty pasta sauce come you know flying by. You know that 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 takes us there. brings us there even more with with the smell and what we see, what we hear, what we feel. Ta- texture, touch. And like you said, it does add texture to the story. So what's essential in addition to having characters, conflict, setting, and you have to have sensory details. You have to have emotion. And what I found when I'm working with clients is by and large, there's the assumption and the forgetting of, of sensory details. But then the hardest part is bringing in those emotions and sharing the thoughts and the feelings and that vulnerability, but that's what makes what makes the magic happen. I actually coached about five different farmers uh, this past January for an online storytelling show for a nonprofit, Practical Farmers Bio. And what was really cool is the transformation that one one farmer said, "I just, I don't know, I don't know if I really have a story to share." And he would, you know, tell these different things. But at the end of it, he actually shared this beautiful story of getting to save two two calf calves in winter during a deadly winter in Iowa and how that transformed him into how he handles his herd and how he's been a different farmer ever since that moment. I thought, well, that's a powerful story. So it's the sensory details and it's those emotions and, and getting him to share how he felt like sad for the mama who was in distress, but the fact that he Mm. can save those calves and sharing that out loud, don't assume, share those feelings, those internal thoughts and saying, you know, I, I was feeling this distress At the time of when I was pulling this calf, you know, tell what you're thinking and feeling worried that you're going to not only lose it for the mom's sake, but also lose the money. You know, those things that you're wondering, thinking, feeling need to come out so that your audience is with you and takes that journey with you. I think it's
1: really interesting to me because I'm what they call camera confident. I'm not insecure about that. I can go online. I can do what needs to be done, which used to horrify my husband to no end because he was this, you know, a, a husky man. And he was very, you know, very manly man. And he would just be like, he looked at all kinds of toughness and he was a strong character. But like the fact that I would go on local TV or do these things, oh my gosh, he'd say, babe, aren't you worried? You're just going to like totally humiliate or embarrass yourself. And I'd be like... <laughs> No, thank you, though, because he was so he just if he he said there's no public speaking like he just can't he'd stand up and sit back down more than ten people in the room he's done it's over right so to him that was just like why don't you just get naked and start running through fields like what the hell right? <laughs> <laughs> he had a cornfield no here in Iowa <laughs> yeah like he couldn't believe that I signed up for these things like this is insanity <laughs> this would be bad enough if you were victimized but you're signing right. up for this so I was fine because it needed to be done right it needed to be done now having said that i always admit that when people ask me to do public speaking i was fine there but in social media i struggled a little bit because i felt people were walking by and i'm trying to tug at their sleeve you didn't ask me to be there so it wasn't i had confidence but i felt this um it's also a world of sound bites so Mm -hmm. then i think we're trained to get in and get out to get somebody's hook get their attention and of course I will tell you often in this podcast, even in the podcast, I go back and forth, more people praises all the time for this being conversational. And I'm listening to you. And there's a couple of times I thought, oh, oh no, hold on. I should be talking to her, not listening. (laughs) I'm not paying attention because I'm being lulled by the details of your story. I'm Mm. now watching instead of interacting. So the power of it is obviously powerful, right? So to me, I feel like it's really must be confusing to people because I feel on paper, I'm confident in that area, but yet there's a different kind of confidence where you have to own the space and slow down and give the details and create emotion. But if you're teaching friggin' farmers to do it, then hell step up, Chris, right? Get on it.
0: You got <laughs> this. Face. Well, yeah. yeah. And I think you bring up, I mean, I have said this before. I'll say it again. Poise is a verb and presence is a noun. And so poise is the work that it takes And it takes work to get your body engaged, your voice engaged and that. It's like an orchestra where they align together and whatever the content of your message is, your voice and your body should follow. And that takes the coaching, the training, the work. And from that, then you morph into this beautiful presence. So I would agree with you. You are absolutely, you said, well, I'm not confident. Yes, you are. You're very confident. I think what it is, is that, it's easy to get nerved up that I only have a minute. I only have a minute. And then that gets in your head and that affects and influences the delivery style. What I really recommend is thinking about the moment in time. It's interesting. I do rooftop chats on the top of my 1880s uh, Victorian home. It's an 100 and over 150 years old. And what's wild is I literally do about three minutes every time. I just have this internal feeling and so it's trusting yourself. Mm. I think ultimately we get so into this mode of, I have to get a really great idea out there and I need to do it fast. And I got to get yeah. lots of people to like me, whatever. And, and punch, punch. Happens, like, yeah, yeah. It feel, Then you rush and then mm. you have that energy that comes out. And so your presence is basically your state of being is so it's stepping back taking a beaten breath, because what you have in the power of these uncertainty, when it comes to public speaking, when it comes to people's reaction is the, the preparation of the idea and the preparation of your mind and body, the practice of that, and then the power of the pause. And I can't stress enough that pause has beauty. There's three types of pauses, the short, the medium length, and the longer length. And when you do a, a long length pause, that's for emotion. You want to stir Mm. up emotion. When you do that medium length pause, that's more for cognition. You want people to cognitively think and follow where you're going. And then that short pause, that's just to beautify. It's for aesthetics. It's to really enhance your cadence of your talk. So if I, I challenge you actually to work in the pause when you are sharing information, because it piques the interest of your audience and they wonder, okay, what's next because that variation really adds aesthetics to your speaker style
1: yeah and oh my gosh and my my original thing about confidence is was I think on paper I have confidence and yet there must be some deeper lack of confidence if I think Mm. I can't own the space so if Mm -hmm. I'm camera confident and I struggle with this there's lots of people I know who are not camera confident like where where do they start right but I do think I know um I know I've labeled myself as a recovering rushaholic I am, I, you know, I know that. <laughs> and I'm a right? fast talker, so I get you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a fast talker, high energy person to begin with. Right. Which people think, oh, that's great. You get a lot done. Like, yeah, I try to go to sleep at night. That's another thing. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I know I have these natural things, but I always tell people your strength can also be your weakness. Right. And so for me, I often think too, like Martin Luther King's famous speech. If I did that, oh my gosh, it'd be like, okay, I had this dream last night. Oh my, like, and I would be diving in. So, And I think, oh, the spacing of that is so powerful, right? And so important. And I know that when I first started to have to tell somebody my story about how when the hour when the day was born and I did have to make I had to make notes to know that when I got to the part about when my husband passed away to slow down because especially if I was uncomfortable sharing that I would speed past it right mm-hmm. and it might sound like I lost a set of keys when in fact I really quite like the man <laughs> like, yeah. people often commented on you know how much our, our, our friendship how like they learned from our relationship and I'm skimming over this because I'm trying to you know, either not comfortable with that part or getting to the punchline or whatever. So I do and totally even under- the story,
0: Chris, right there. Yeah. Sharing the difficulty of sharing the story.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we could, we'll just do business therapy. You guys go
0: off and drive around <laughs> and do whatever
1: you want. And we'll just keep checking with us every two hours and see where I am. Right? <laughs> I <love> okay. It. <laughs> okay. So Tina, we don't know what we don't know. I often say, so tell us some other big mistakes that
0: we're making when we step up to do this? When we step up to speak, I, the first biggest mistake is not preparing enough. Content analysis is, is work. And I notice so many times that people start with, hi, my name is Tina B and, I'm, and they don't really hook you. And so having that strong hook that aligns with you, your speaker style and your message is huge. I highly recommend not diving into a joke, particularly if it's not an original joke, because it could fall flat, it could not be funny, and maybe it's really funny, and then the rest of your talk's more serious and you've kind of gone downhill. You don't want that either. The other piece is the end of the speech. A lot of people just trail off or just in with, do you have any questions? that's a moment in time where you really need to rise up, challenge the audience, have end with a poignant thought that is your own. Don't end with someone else's words or a quote, but end with your own idea about it or a story that maybe you have started a story and then you end and bookend it. The biggest thing in terms of preparation that I notice more than anything though, is the lack of signposts and lack of transitions. When you are sharing ideas, it is essential to keep your audience in the know. You are the verbal roadmap. Now, I when I go on a vacation, I know where I'm going. I know my endpoint. Not only do I look at a big map and see the signs and the roads that I need to take, but I also put it in the GPS. And you know, so I know when I get in the car, where I'm going. Many times when we go on road trips, we, we know the endpoint. And I think by and large, people want to know the right exits to take so that they get there efficiently. and if, And it's more effective, right? Same with speaking, give the signs that something is important, say above all else, or this is something that you have to tune into, or if you forget Mm. anything else, remember this. Those kinds of signposts are like, whoop, 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 marquees to say, listen to me, this is important. And it's helping trigger the audience's brain to choose to tune, to listen to you. The other is just using internal and external previews. Those transitions are essential. Try not to have more than three main points. Our brains cannot handle it. If you've got, I'm going to tell you 10 tips today. Mm. Okay, that's a little much. Maybe if you're David Letterman with your top 10 and it's on the TV and you're like, ooh, what's going to be number one? That might work. But really try to, Ted does this, three main points. That's the power number. We love threes. Three men walk into the bar. Uh, you know, you, you have high, medium, and low temperatures on your stove, or you have three little pigs, three billy goats, mm. gruff, three, three bears. So, three is powerful and transition. Those internal summaries are, you know, we've discussed how to know yourself. Now we're going to focus in on how to know your team. So, I've internally summarized out loud for you what I just talked about. And we don't do that in writing. That's how oral communication is mm. different. We tend to put oral and written communication as the same and they are not. Oral is oral communication is more informal. It's ephemeral. It happens in one moment in time. And it's more simplistic. There's room for clutter like verbal fillers. So you want to yeah. work on those. You want to pause instead of clutter with the ums, the ahs, you knows, those vocalized pauses. But that's the biggest thing is with preparation of content. And then the last piece is that delivery style is don't try to be someone you're not. Everybody wants you to be the real, true you. And so the yeah. fact that you, the two of us are very similar. We are bursts of enthusiasm, bursts of energy. And I think accepting that and knowing that, but acknowledging also the audience in the space. I know I'm a 10. I think you're a 10 also on a spectrum of energy. We're Walt Disney World. But when oh, geez, I I thought into- I was being,
1: hold on, I was fixing my hair. I thought I was aesthetically a 10. There was a boost there for me. Oh, that <laughs> too, you that you're also aesthetically a 10. We both, <laughs> yeah. let's rock that out yeah. also. But you you know, let me jump in there for a second. That's really important. It took me a long time because I really worked against that because I thought that was like a fifth date thing. So when people worked Mm. with me, And they liked my energy, liked all that. But I thought when I show up in social media or the first time you meet me, I should have shoulders back and look really professional. And then after everything that happened with John, I was like, I have no energy for that. Like, (laughs) get out of my way. This is it. Right. But I, I, I tried to manage and minimize that because I thought, oh, I'm too much for people. I'm too high energy. Maybe it comes off juvenile. I got all this book learning. I went to college. I went to university. I'm not sounding like it because I'm just, my enthusiasm is over the top. Right. Right? and it I had to really learn to let that be and it just it's and it is what people like I have you know I I fired a lot of clients after everything that happened with my husband I just I am going to every client I have like you sometimes you'll have 10 and 5 you love 3 you're okay and 2 are pains and I, but now every client I have is like with if they weren't paying me we really could be great friends like if, if they lived local we'd be we'd be doing more stuff together and it's because I'm attracting the people that are like me right but I had to learn because I just thought that wasn't as grown up or as professional as I thought others who look very elegant and dignified and that wasn't me but it's not me so I have to move past that
0: right I mean we're not everybody's cup of tea and that's okay it's be you be true and I love what my piano teacher Thelma Justice said years ago she, you know when I was eight years old she says you know don't be flat, as in the note B yeah, flat. Yeah. Don't be sharp, but just be natural. And I remember that as that little girl. Now that I'm morphed into my mid 40s, that the being natural. When you force yourself to be someone you're not, it, it comes off like heading yeah. strong cologne on that first date and it's off-putting. But I yeah. do know for the comfort of audience members, I was gonna say, when I walk into a bank for a workshop or presentation, I know that I can't burst through as Walt Disney World's big 10 energy. I modify, I soften to about a seven or an eight where I still have yeah. that bubbling enthusiasm that I share. But in order to make the audience feel comfortable, I'm aware of the context. The situation and the audience, yeah. you know, all the things, because that then will connect you more effectively with them.
1: Fabulous. Well, Tina, you are a treat. We could turn this into like Tuesdays with Tina. Oh my <laughs> <Yeah>. gosh.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Where can they find more of your brilliance? Well, they can find me on my website. It's tinabakehouse.com. That's tinabakehouse.com. So T I N A B as in boy. A-K-E-H-O-U-S-E. So I like to say bake as baking cookies and houses in CASA. And they also can check me out on LinkedIn or I have a Facebook page, which is Tina B LLC. And I also have effective communication with Tina B for my YouTube channel. So check those things out. And I have, I just started not too long ago, a Facebook group. For up leveling your speaker style network for professional women. So if you're interested in joining that, I would love to have you check out my guides, lots of nuggets to help you know better, do better, as my Angelou says, with your communication style. Tina, you know, you've been a treat. And everyone else, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, Chris.
1: Hey guys, don't miss out. Hop on over to free Gift from chris.com that's free gift g-i-f-t from chris kri com. we are constantly putting goodies in there just for you guys so that you can have a business that supports your life instead of consuming it